Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The hardest part of worship. Eugene Peterson is a, uh, was a pastor. He passed away in the last few years. He was a pastor in Maryland, and uh, when it came time for him to move on to uh, another location, he was visiting with one of his longtime members. And she said to him, you know, Pastor, what the hardest part of worship was for me under your leadership? And Pastor Peterson thinks about it for a second and he says, I don't know, the offering? <laughs> and she says, no, no. It's when you would say, let us pray. And then you would just be silent. He says it would only be for 10, maybe 15 seconds. But just in that little bit of time, get so anxious and unsettled. Can we keep moving this thing along already? Last week here in Arcadia and throughout our area, we had this awful storm. And I was so grateful and glad that the power didn't go out, right? Especially for uh, many of our homebound folks, it really would have been difficult if they hadn't had heat but we lost something that was maybe just as bad, if not worse. Internet. I could put out a blanket, but what am I going to do if I can't check my email? What do you do? You don't have the internet. There wasn't phone and TV for, for many of us. We just had to be quiet. Now, for some of you, you're like, yes, please. I will gladly take any peace and quiet that I can get. But really, for each and every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, even when we get those moments of quiet and stillness and silence, how often do you start to feel yourself getting a little bit antsy and anxious? You know, go to grab your phone or, or, or call somebody or whatever you got to do. Why is that? Why is, is stillness, silence, solitude so scary for us today? Why is it so hard to be quiet? We might ask Peter the same question in today's gospel. Now Peter, as we see throughout the gospels, he is always the first one to speak up, isn't he? And sometimes that's great. Sometimes that works really well. For example, when Jesus asks the apostles, he asks them, who do people say that I am? They're all kind of looking at each other. Is anybody going to say anything? I don't want to tell them what people are saying. But then Peter stands right up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yes. Peter, you got that one. All right. Peter's the first to speak up and that's wonderful. But other times, for example, right after that, it's not so good. Jesus tells the apostles what's going to happen to him, the suffering, the crucifixion that await him. And Peter speaks up first again. Oh, never, Lord, God forbid, I won't let that happen to you. And you remember what Jesus says to him? Get behind me, Satan. Not so good to speak up there. Well, in today's gospel, the transfiguration, it definitely falls in that second category. I mean, it's this fantastic, marvelous scene. Here, Peter, James, and John, kind of the inner ring of the apostles, they get to go with the Lord up onto this high mountain. Already, that's a, a special time just to, to be with the Lord in prayer and in meditation. 
But then they get a, a vision of Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his splendor. It's like the curtain gets pulled back. And now we see him as he truly is, the glorified son of God. And that's not all, but there he's having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. I mean, just to be a fly on the wall, right? Because you or I, we would just be quiet, you know, maybe trying to take some notes, thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe I get to say it. Does he realize that we're here too? We get to listen to this. But there's Peter. And he just can't help himself. <laughs> Lord! It's good to be here. Boy, I think I speak for all of us. What is, am I right, guys? No? Okay. It's good to be here, Lord. Uh, maybe um, I'm thinking we build some tents, right? Just like we used to have when we had our traveling tabernacle. I'll make one for Moses. I'll make one for Elijah. I'll make one for you too, Lord. And then Luke tells us he didn't even know what he was saying. In the Old Testament, they call this the sacrifice of fools. When you're just talking and talking to fill the space and the silence. Now, I want to give Peter credit. I want to assume that he's doing this from noble purposes. He wants to offer his services, and that's all well and good. But I think that his speaking here and elsewhere, it betrays a deeper anxiety. It's as if Peter, he doesn't want to let something go unsaid. That if he doesn't say it, it won't be said. Or that if he doesn't do it, it won't be done. If he doesn't step in and fill that empty void, then it will just go on being empty. And will God meet him there in that place? Or will he just be left alone? It's so hard to be quiet, to be silent. For precisely this reason. There's a comedian by the name of Louis C.K. And when I'm looking for spiritual insight, as you know, I often go to comedians. But he has this bit. He asks why it is that so many of us send text messages while we're driving. Even though it's almost always illegal. Even though it is always dangerous. Why do we insist on sending text messages while we drive? And he has this moment of realization while he's driving along one day. He's all by himself in his car, and one of those songs comes on. He says, it's a Bruce Springsteen song. It's one of those really melancholy, sad Bruce Springsteen songs that come on the radio. And he starts to feel this sense in his heart that you do sometimes. This sense of, of sadness and longing. And he's just about to start crying when he grabs his phone. And while he's driving, he texts like 150 people all at once. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> and he realizes, well, why am I doing this? He says, it's because I didn't want to have that feeling of just being alone and lonely. That sense of sadness that comes when you, you feel like it's just you in the world. Our culture, our age, has worked so hard to drive the presence of God out of it. That now we have this gaping void that we will do whatever we can to fill it back up. So what do we see? Everywhere we look, 
We're constantly on our phones, on our devices, can't get away from it. We can't have a moment of quiet. We've got to have the radio on in the background. We've got to have the TV on in the background. We can't just be sit, and sit and be still and silent before the Lord or even before one another by ourselves. It's like we always have to fill it. Almost a century ago, a poet named T.S. Eliot, he diagnosed our age when he said that we are distracted from distraction by distraction constantly juggling and just trying to stay busy so that we don't have this sense, this feeling that we are alone. Because is God going to meet us in that place? But if we would just open our eyes, and more to the point, shut our mouths, we might find out what God wants to give us right before us. So Peter is still talking. He's still talking when it says the cloud envelops them. God the Father just had to finally cut him off, okay? This is God's version of taking the old cane with the hook on it. They are enveloped in the cloud of God's presence and they are terrified. But out of that cloud, God the Father speaks. And you notice he doesn't have to say very much. He says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. In other words, this one, he is my son. He's my chosen one. He is all you need. Peter, there is nothing that needs saying that he hasn't said. There is nothing that needs doing that he hasn't done. He is stepping into that awful void of death. For you and for me, he comes in order to fill up that emptiness so that through his death and his resurrection, you would know that wherever you go, wherever you are, no matter how alone you might feel, you are never alone. Because he is my chosen one. And God says to him, listen to him. One way to take that is, Peter, you need to be quiet, which is true. And I think Peter probably recognizes that in that moment. But another way to take it is it's God saying to Peter and to you and me, Peter, you can be quiet. You can be still. It's like a living enactment of that verse from the Psalms. Be still. And know that I'm God. I've got this. You can be quiet. A couple of years ago, I was having a conversation with a guy named Bob Baker, who's a camp director out at Camp Luther Haven in Idaho, near where we were in, in Spokane. And maybe Chip would say something similar to what Bob Baker said to me. We were talking about camp and what it is that people, especially the kids, love most about camp. And it's a great camp, it's just like Camp Arcadia, where there's all kinds of awesome things going on. Kids can go into the lake, they can have all sorts of fun, there's games. I'm asking them all these different things, he's like, no, no, no. So, so what is it? What's their favorite thing about camp? He says it's easy. Their phones don't work. This is what kids were telling him. Our favorite part of camp is that our phones don't work. Because there is a kind of peace that can come and can only be found when we are able to be still and silent before the Lord. 
And to know in that place, it's not a place of absence, but it's a place of fullness. The fullness of God's presence for you and for me. You are never alone. No matter how alone you might feel, no matter how alone outwardly you are. So as we go into the season of Lent, I want to encourage you, take time to be still, to be silent, to be quiet before the Lord, simply to rest in His presence and to know that even when you are alone, you are never alone. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.